there was, there's just something about that sweet, free worship. I think it's just a picture that God, God gives us a snapshot of what heaven's going to be like. And we get to just worship openly and freely. Well, I'm going to uh, give room for a few testimonies, starting with my wife. Come on up, huh? She shared this Friday night in School of the Spirit, but I wanted to share it again today. Yeah. Most of you know um, our daughter, Tyler, her, um, his dad, Kirk, um, before Christmas, he was sick. He thought he had... Um, Wait, you didn't. Tyler's dad is Brianna's husband. Yes. Yeah. Tyler's... Our son-in-law's father. Um, before Christmas, he thought he had pneumonia, and so they were treating him for that, and um, after Christmas, he wasn't getting better, so he went back to the doctor. They did a CT scan on him, um, and he went home, and they called him back and said that he had, they had seen a mass in his right lung, and so um, they called him back in, and they were talking to him. They wasn't exactly sure what it was, but it did not look good, and um, they go to a traditional church, and when he was going to go through all the testing and stuff, it just really laid on my heart that um, Todd and I needed to go pray with him and um, share things with him, and I have a, a scripture book, a healing scripture book that I have used for years. I wore one out, and I let someone borrow it, and then they returned me one to me that was brand new, so I thought, okay, I'm going to take this one to him. And so um, I asked Brianna to ask him if we could come pray with them. We know them very well, but, you know, going to someone's house and praying over them. and Especially when they're not familiar with Yeah, them. when they're not familiar. And I really felt that we should do communion with them. Um, Todd and I are very big on communion. Um, we do it a lot at home because it is so powerful. And so um, we went to see them. He was supposed to have surgery on a Wednesday. We went to see them on Sunday. And um, we were talking to him and sharing scriptures with him. And I gave them the book to read. And I encouraged them to start doing those scriptures just like it was his medicine. And um, then we, we had been there for a while. And then I said, and we'd like to do communion with you. And he was like, really? We've never done communion outside of church. And so we explained to them about communion and stuff. So... Um, his da their daughter was there, too, and her boyfriend, so we did communion with them, and we just believed God for his healing. So they went in on surgery on Wednesday morning, and um, he was in surgery for hours. I think it was supposed to be like a four- or five-hour surgery. Well, it was all day, and um, when they come out that night, they did say that um, the mass was cancerous. Um, wait a minute. Let me back up. They were going to check all his lymph nodes around his lungs. Um, and if they were clear, they were going to go ahead with the surgery. If they were not clear, they would stop the surgery, and he would have to do chemo and radiation. So they went ahead, and um, they didn't come out, so that was a good sign. So the lymph nodes were clear. So when they did come out, they said that the spot was cancerous. They felt like they had gotten everything, and they took most of his right lung, the bottom and the middle, and they shaved the top, but they felt really good about it. So we were just encouraged to keep praying and believing that all the cancer was gone. So this past Friday morning, um, I knew that they were going back for the pathology report. And that morning about 7, um, I walked out of the bathroom and I told Todd, I said, let's agree that Kirk gets 
good results today. And then I also um, text Kim. And so at 10 o'clock, she texted me and she said, no more cancer. He is clear of cancer. He does not have to ke- have chemo or radiation. Amen. It's hot in here, she said. Welcome to my world. Anyone else? Anyone else? Any other testimonies before we go forward? Okay, Em? So, um, I'm pregnant, by the way, if anybody didn't know. That's a testimony itself. But I've been uh, challenged with some nausea and morning sickness and headaches and just feeling yuck. Well, this morning I woke up, well, I woke up at like 530, which is not normally me. Um, Just feeling hot and sweaty and just nasty and headache and sick. And so I went and got something to eat thinking that would help. I got up, Josh was telling him about it. And just this whole week I've kind of been battling it. And uh, we got here and he said, I said, I just want to sit in my car for a little while. He said, okay. He said, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Your words are powerful. And I was like, you're telling me that, really? I'm the one that always tells him that. So, and then he goes, I want you to go in and worship and be loud and louder than you ever have been. And this and that. He was telling me, reminded me of the story in the DR when he was sick. And he went and just worshiped and just cried out before the Lord. And he said, I know how you feel. He He said, I'm not pregnant. He said, but I felt like crap then. And I said, yeah, you're not pregnant. You don't really know. But <clears throat> So uh, he said, so I want you to go in there and worship, and then you're going to have a testimony, and you're going to go up front and tell it that you feel 100% better. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. And Well, he was right. So I yeah, got yeah. in God's presence and just intimacy with him, like what Nathan was saying, and I'm 100% better. I feel Praise great. I took off my little bands that help with motion sickness, and yeah, so he's good. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Amen. He is a good, good father. All the time, all the time, all the time. Well, I've, over the past few weeks, I've been talking about his love, and I'm going to continue in that today, just talking about the love of God and what that looks like in us and through us. And uh, it is the last Sunday of the month, and we were supposed to do communion today, but I forgot to order the little cups. So I didn't think we wanted to do it traditional and have one big cup and everybody take a drink and wipe it off. So... <laughs> I voted against that. <laughs> I voted against that. So we'll have communion next week, and uh, we'll have it twice in March. That'd be awesome. But uh, we'll have it next week. Uh, so if you were wondering, don't we normally do communion? Yes, we normally do, but uh, we're not today. Uh, but I do want to just give honor to the Lord. I want to thank the Lord for who He is, His goodness. Uh, you know, Yesterday, we had School of the Spirit Friday, and uh, I had been congested and <clears throat> had been coughing some, and uh, so I woke up, but I woke up yesterday morning, and I felt like I had been run over by a truck. I mean, it wasn't coughing and congestion. It was nausea. It was fatigue. It was aching. I hurt all over. I was, uh, I felt, if I opened my eyes, I felt nauseous. I slept just about all day. When I wasn't sleeping, I was declaring the Word of God. Tina talked about those scriptures. We have it in our Kindle. It's uh, God's prescription uh, something. Hold on. I can tell you because I've got it in my Kindle right here. God's prescription for divine health. And in the back of it, it's, uh, and I've probably shared this before, 
In the back of it, the scriptures that Dodie Osteen, Joel Osteen's mom, she was di- diagnosed with stage four liver cancer, said there was nothing that they could do. They had pretty much given her up for dead and uh, said, you just need to go home. There's nothing we can do. So she went home, got in the word, and started quoting these scriptures every day, declaring them. She would do it two and three times a day. So yesterday, as I, uh, we have that, as I said, on our Kindle, I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning and uh, went and sat on the couch and, and read the scriptures. And uh, when Tina got up, we read them again. I think I read them about five times yesterday. Because I know God's word is true. And what's so precious about that is Ben shared Friday night. And he said, in the miraculous, if we're going to be expressions of God's love, of his kingdom on the earth, then there's that place where we go, you know what? I know this is the will of God. And I put a, a line in the sand and I step over that line that it's not, is it God's will to heal? It is God's will to heal. Now I just step past that. And now I'm walking in the reality of this is what God has for us. You know, that's great when you feel great. It's easy when you feel good to declare God heals. He's the healer. When somebody else doesn't feel well and you feel well, well, just believe God because he's a healer. But when you can't even hold your head up, I mean, I was sitting at the breakfast, Tina fixed breakfast, and I was sitting there and I was eating, and I got very lightheaded, real dizzy feeling. She said, you all right? I said, no, I need to go sit down. I mean, I was sitting down, but I went to the couch, and I just started praying in the Spirit. I'm telling you, I think it was Keith Moore that said it one time. Someone said to him, I tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. He said, no, you were tried by faith and you came up wanting because you were trying it. You weren't believing. So I could hear, all day yesterday, I could hear Ben in my head. Ben, you were with me all day yesterday, brother. Uh, and, And just, it was just the Lord and how he delivered that yesterday. And I said, you know what, God, I am not settling for this. Through the evening, I started feeling better. Still very fatigued feeling. My back was really sore. I'd even laid in the floor, put my feet up on the couch. My back was hurting so bad. And uh, <clears throat> so this morning, I woke up my normal time, 4.30. I get up at 4.30 on Sunday mornings to spend time with the Lord. I woke up, get out of bed after about four hours sleep, because it's about midnight when I went to bed last night. I got up, and I go into the, uh, into the bathroom, and I get lightheaded again. I'm feeling very dizzy again. And I'm like, uh-uh, this ain't happening. So I go back in the living room, and I get my scriptures out, and I start declaring the Word of God over myself again. I said, there was a defining moment. Here's what's so cool. Yesterday, in the midst of it, in between my consciousness, Tina would say, you think we ought to get somebody on standby for tomorrow? I'm like, no, I'm okay. She's like, you think we ought to get somebody for standby? Do you want me to text him? I said, no, we're okay, and I'd go back to sleep. Well, she texts John. She texts John and said, hey, I need you to be in the pocket tomorrow because <laughs> not sure where Todd's going to be. So this morning, and I told her this, I found this out after. This morning when I got up, I know as well as I'm standing before you, it was a defining moment of where I was going to stand in my faith. Because I went to bed last night, like I said, I was feeling better, but I woke up this morning, it was like it was all there again. <clears throat> the nausea, the, the fatigue, all of it was there again. And I was like, so I went in the, in the living room and uh I just, I started reading the scriptures, praying in the spirit, went over into soaking. You know, that's what we call soaking when we fall asleep praying. We call it soaking. We're just soaking in the presence of the Lord. I got so caught up in his presence, I just started soaking. No, I fell asleep. And I woke up, 
and I was feeling better. But here's what the enemy will do. Fear came in. Fear came in. And he said, yeah, you're feeling better now. What if you get to church in front of everybody and you don't feel good? Then what you going to do? So all these things, I said, nope, I don't have anybody, and I'm not going to text anybody now. I made a decision. This is what the Word is saying. And I started declaring the Word with more authority and just saying, nope, this is mine. This isn't something I hope for. This isn't uh, a concept. That was one thing that, that Ben kept saying Friday night about it just being a concept. In our culture, and it's so true, I've, I've read... Uh, Scholar after scholar that talks about the difference in our culture versus an Eastern culture. An Eastern culture, they don't know it just by gaining head knowledge. They know it through experience. They can't tell you they know something just because they read it in a book. They're going to prove it to be true. So as I I kept hearing, as I said, I heard Ben. So this morning, I just said, nope, I'm getting up. So I still didn't feel 100%. I went and I took a shower. And all these thoughts were running through my mind. You can get in the shower and pass out. Tina's going to hear a big thud, and she's going to come, you're going to be in the shower. How embarrassing is that going to be? you curled up in the bottom of the shower. <laughs> but the Lord is so good, because a lot of times Tina will check on me. And, and I'm telling you, there was a decision I made. It was a decision as clear as I'm standing in front of you right now. There was a decision I made that, no, this is not going to be my lot today. I'm not going to lay around again all day today. <laughs> and I didn't just lay around and moan and groan. All morning we had worship music on, and we was declaring the Scriptures. I went in from worship, uh, from worship to teaching. I listened to about two and a half hours of teaching in and out of consciousness. I played two and a half hours of teaching. <coughs> I would wake up and I'd say, Tina, you care if I rewind that? She'd say, no, I'd rewind it and play it again. But I made a decision this morning. So afterwards, I get out of the shower and, and I'm feeling much better. <clears throat> I start ironing clothes. I'm drinking my coffee because healthy people drink coffee. Amen. I knew I could get an amen from Ben. <clears throat> I'm drinking my coffee. And Tina said, you must be feeling a lot better today. I said, I do. I feel a lot better than I did yesterday. She said, well, I texted John yesterday just to make sure. I said, I'm glad I didn't know that. I'm serious. I'm glad I didn't know that because that would have been another thing on the inside of my head that I'd have had to fight with the enemy and say, oh, there's already, you just need to, because what was in my mind is you just need to lay down and take it easy today. You need to take, this past week's been one of the, I run a lot. I'm a pretty wide open person. But this last week, because of the weather, it was probably one of the most laid back weeks I had. And mom and dad said, you need to slow down. I said, no, that's the problem. I slowed down and look what happened. <laughs> it's not the answer. Not for me. But I want you to know that his word is true. His word is true. And it went right along with what I had in my heart today to share. It's Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Philippians 1, verse 9 is where I'm going to start reading. Because, you know, we pray a lot out of Ephesians and Colossians. There's prayers there that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 and in Colossians 1. But as I was just really pressing into the Lord one day, I went back into Philippians. And here's this short prayer Uh, In Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, dealing with the love of God, and it says this, uh, this is the New American Standard I'm reading, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So this is Paul, and he says, this is what I pray. I pray that your love may abound still more and more. 
in real knowledge and all discernment. So he makes a difference here in real knowledge and all discernment. He said there's a difference in these two so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. I want you to know that this morning that I proved, I approved the things that are excellent in the, in the name of the Lord. I approve those things because here's what it is. I want to break these down. He said that your love, I pray that your love may abound still more and more. The word love here is agape love. It means love feast. And uh, one of the things that they would do in the New Testament church is this, they would have a feast expressing and fostering mutual love, which was held by believers before they would take the Lord's Supper. So they would have these mutual feasts, these love feasts, where they would bring people, they would bring everyone in, and they would love on them. And they would bring in, it says, and this is uh, out of Thayer's Greek lexicon. It says, it was held by Christians before the celebration of the Lord's Supper, and at which the poorer Christians mingled with the wealthier and partook in common with the rest of with the rest of food provided at the expense of the wealthy. So he said this love feast, what this love feast was, is he said the poor would come together with the wealthy, and the wealthy would make provision for the poor, so that when they were in that room, everybody was the same. <laughs> Everyone was the same, and they would just have this feast of love, and that they would just express that love, that sacrificial love. You know, you know for the wealthy, it was a sacrifice, right? Because they provided everything. I think that goes right along with what Nathan said. That's why I wanted him to share that word that he received because he's, he's talking about that God wants us to walk in that intimate place with him so we can give love that we don't necessarily have received just yet. Are you hearing me? That love fest, that, love, that agape, that sacrificial love, that's not a love that's just convenient that says I'll give when it's given to me, but it's that love. That's the love that I believe draws the lost into the church. It's the goodness of God, Romans says, that draws men unto repentance. And it's that goodness when they see that God loves them beyond their mistakes. He doesn't love them and keep them in their sin, but he loves them in the midst of their sin to love them enough out of it. And he's given us that ministry, that ministry of reconciliation to draw men back to God's love. That's the greatest calling there is. I don't care what your occupation is. The greatest calling that you have in your life is not to be in the fivefold ministry. It's to be an, it'd be, uh, an ambassador of love to let people, wherever you are, to let them know that they can have personal relationship with the living God. Not a God, the God. That's the problem the world has with Jesus. The world will talk about God because God can be anybody. There are many religions and many gods, but there's one Jesus. And he wasn't just a good man. He was a good man, but he was the God man. He lived a sinless life and died, and we have to believe into him to have relationship. But once we do, we experience the love of the Father. And that love is what we have to share with a hurting world. And he said, I pray. Paul said, I pray that your love would abound still more and more. In this, this church, this Philippian church, it's the one where he said that my God will supply what? All your need according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. It's this church, the ones that were giving to him when others were. He said, you got to understand God's going to give to you. He said, I pray that your love would abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment. The word abound there, it means to superabound in quantity and quality, to be in excess. <laughs> he said, what does he want to abound? Track with me, I just said it, love. I'm not making this difficult, it's really simple, love. 
He said that your love would abound. And so that word abound, it means to superabound in quality or quantity, to be in excess, superfluous, to cause to superabound or excel. I believe that we can love people beyond where they are. I believe you can love people into destiny. You can love them so much. Jesus did that with the woman caught in the act of adultery. He didn't condone her actions. He said, where are your condemners? She said, there aren't any. He said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. He saw her where she was, but he loved her to who she was. To see who she really was. I believe that's a call that God's placed on the church. Not a love that covers and ignores, but a love that says, because I love you, I call you to who you really are. I call you out of what you have caused to be your identity. It's not who you are. It might be what you're doing, but it's not who you are. But because the love of God, he said that he loves you, and he'll love you through this, and he'll love you out of this. He said, I pray that your love would abound, that it would be superfluous, that it would be excessive. In real knowledge and all discernment. Knowledge there, it means this, precise and correct knowledge. So he's saying, I don't want you to just love and be this, because the world is painting the picture of love as this warm emotion thing. You know, we've said this before. <clears throat> when you were growing up, parents would go to spanky. I don't know if you hear it this much anymore because they've just about outlawed spanking. Tried to anyway, which is sad. I'm not going to get off on that. <clears throat> but, you know, a parent would say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I always thought, well, let's switch roles, and we'll both feel better for it. <laughs> I don't want to cause you any pain. And I know you don't want to cause me pain because you love me. So if we just switch roles, I'll whip you, and we'll both feel better. <laughs> and we'll just move on with lives, right? But the reality of that is this is going to hurt worse is because you don't whip your child because you don't like them. You don't discipline a child because you, and if you do, then you're in the wrong because you're mad. You should never discipline your child when you're angry. If you have to send them to the room, collect yourself, and then go discipline them, then you, go, you do that. You should never do it in anger. You should never do it in frustration. But true love says, look, there's an, act, there's an activity going on in your life, and I know the result of that. So... I'm going to discipline you so that you won't continue to go that way because the end of that's death, and I don't want that for you. That's what love does. That's what He said it's real and exact and precise knowledge. So if we say we're going to walk in the love of God, that's not this warm, fuzzy thing. That means that we got to know God. Let me say that again. If we're going to walk in the love of God and it's going to abound out of us, then we've got to know who is love, Jesus is love. And we've got to know him in a real and an intimate way. We've got to have personal knowledge of who he is. So when we're ministering to someone, that we don't just regurgitate something that we've heard. But that we can share life. That we have precise knowledge, that we spend time with love. So when it comes up, you know, that's what's so amazing is the more time you spend with him, the more opportunities you have to share that love, and you'll walk away. There's so many times that God's opened the door for me to be able to share with someone, and we'll get through sharing. They'll walk away, and I'll be like, God, you're awesome. I wish I knew that stuff I just knew. I wish I had that written down because that was good. I could use that again. 
but through when you walk in relationship with him. He said, Jesus even told him, he said, don't take any thought of what you're going to say. At the same time, the Holy Spirit will teach you the things that you need to say. But that doesn't mean we walk around empty-headed. All right, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up, Lord. No, it means that we spend time, and it's, what did Jesus do? Jesus spent time with the Father. He would, he would go apart. He would pray with the Father. If you look at that, if you look in the New Testament, you look in the Synoptic Gospels, you see when Jesus went apart to pray, when he came down from the time of prayer, it's when you'd see all these miracles. You know why? He was, he was communing with the Father. He was spending time with the Father. So when he came down, he was coming out of a tank that was full of the love of God because that's what he came to demonstrate. That's why the religious leaders had such a problem with Jesus because he, come, he came calling God Father. And they said, for you to call God Father means you're one with him, that you're equal to him. And they couldn't wrap their mind around that because they were looking for a king to take the throne, to deliver them from the physical oppression and stuff that they were going through. And not, they didn't see that he was doing it through the spiritual, which would, which would and does affect the physical. But they didn't see it. They missed it. They missed love. And you can look at the history of Israel and all of the tragedy that's gone on through Israel. You know what? But they rejected love. He came to reveal the Father. Over and over, he, he called him Father. In John's gospel especially, he called him the Father. So we, if we're going to love like God loves, then we're going to have to know who God is. We're going to have to know his real nature if we're going to demonstrate that love. That's what 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, that's what it talks about. It demonstrates, it puts words, it articulates the reality of what God's love looks like in the natural. It doesn't take account of a wrong suffered. Just that one, I meditate on a lot. It takes no account of a wrong suffered. It believes the best of every person. I'm not going to look at anybody. I'm just not. It believes that it always perseveres. His love, that love that passes all understanding. He said it will guard your heart and your mind. It's that love. And it's the love that he's saying, I want you to have a precise and correct knowledge about. But discernment means this. It's perception, not only by the senses, but also by intellect. So he's saying, I want you to have, all, I want you to have real knowledge and all discernment. So I want you to be able to perceive what's going on, not just in the senses, but also in the intellect. He said, I want you to be able, he said, I want you to know who God is and what he's doing. What did he tell us about the Holy Spirit? He said, I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and He will teach you. He will lead you, and He will guide you. But I believe in my life, there are times I've missed Him because I've been so tuned in to me that I didn't hear Him. He's speaking, and He's asking for us to just listen, and that comes through that time of intimacy. He said, I pray that your love abounds, that it's super, abo- uh, super abounds in quality or quantity, that it's an excess that you have precise and correct knowledge and that you can perceive not only by your senses but by your intellect so that you can approve. And that word approve is this. It means to test or to prove. To prove to be genuine. To prove to be genuine. So Paul's praying. He said, I pray that your love would be, that you would be able to approve the things that are what? Excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled, I like that, 
having been filled, is that past or present? Past. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He said, I want you to approve the things. I want you to prove to be genuine. And the, and the, uh, the analogy that gave in the, in the Greek definition, it was like they would test a metal to see what type of metal it is. I know Jonathan and them, they, uh, they'll buy gold off of people, and they have this little deal. I don't know. I just watch them do it. But they'll put a little chemical on it, and then they'll scratch it and to see if it's gold or what kind of gold or how, if it's real gold or just gold-plated or stuff like that. But that's what it was saying. That's what this word right here, approve, means. It means that you make sure that it's what it says it is. See, we have opportunities in our life. We have opportunities in our life to approve the things that are excellent. We have opportunities for those who we work with, who don't demonstrate the love, who really need the love of God, but yet we choose not to love. He said, I need you to approve. I need you to that when they look at you, they go, man, that's the real deal. So what does that mean? So that means this kind of love that I'm talking about, it costs you something. It's free to receive. It's his love that was freely given. But when you give it out, it costs you something. Just like in the definition of agape, it's the love feast, the wealthy. And you know what? If you have relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't, it's a... I don't know how I want to say this without saying it wrong. It's not that I don't care where you are in that walk. If you've been born again, then the love of God, Romans said, has been shed abroad in your heart. It's already in there. The love of God is in there. Now, the amount of that love that we're letting out is up to us. So he doesn't give me a bigger portion of love and you a little portion of love. Here's the reality of it. The more that I press into that love, the more I know the reality of it and the more I draw from it because it becomes more real to me. It's not somebody else's love that I'm trying to draw from. It's his love that's been poured into my heart that I can freely let out. That's why we've got to have that time with him to know who he is so that we can give that love even when we're not getting it. It's it's that love that the world is looking for. It's that love that's precise. It's it's knowing him real, knowing him intimately so that when when we share who he is, we don't have to just give this religious connotation or this religious right or, or quotes that we've learned. Now, I'm not against Romans Road. I, I memorized Romans Road when I was in Bible college. Romans 3.10, 3.23, 6.23, 5.8, 10.9, 10.13. It's Romans Road. You can go through it, and it'll tell them, they'll show them they're a sinner and that they need to be born again, and that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's, I, I don't make light of that. But, you know, I believe that God is bigger than that. I believe he loves the people that we're in contact with so much that if we'll spend time with him, that he'll have an intimate, personal message for them that can minister to where they are. I've, Mark and I have shared this before in praying for people. It's so easy. If someone needs healing, it's so easy just to, to begin saying what you know to say without waiting and saying, all right, Lord, what are you saying? Because here's what I know in healing. Sometimes healing, there's a, there is a spiritual aspect to it, but sometimes there's an emotional healing, there's an emotional wound or something like that that's opened the door for a sickness. And when, they get, when God touches that emotional thing, there's forgiveness and they're free. They're healed right away. But if we just go at it from knowledge 
and not from the Spirit of God. That's what real love is. I want to share one other passage with you. Maybe two. Matthew 6. We always run right to 6.33, but I want to, I want to back up to Matthew 6.25 through 34. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, neither gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Do you see the need to know him? Do you see the need to know his heart? He said, look at, your, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap. They don't gather in the barns, but your, father, your heavenly Father feeds them. He's saying, I want you to know the Father. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? It doesn't work. I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. Because if it did, I'd be 6'2". Every bit of six foot, probably six two. It doesn't work. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Now, if God, who, God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, <clears throat> will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall uh, we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. And the word Gentile there, it means unbelievers. All these things the unbelievers seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." So he starts this in verse 25 saying, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. And then in verse 34, after he talks about, he describes all these physical needs and these things that are very real. Are these real things? Are these present things? These aren't off in the future one day. These are real present things. He said he begins with, don't worry about your life. And then he ends the same way in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. He's saying, don't put, because here's what worry does. Worry sets your attention on what's not there instead of what is there. That was one thing that Ben said Friday night that was so good. He said, when he began to pray for people, he said it was easy for him to meditate on the ones who didn't get healed. He said, but what he did is he started meditating on what God was doing, not what hadn't happened. And he said, it changed everything. And that's the same thing. He said, that's why he's saying, don't worry. Because worry is a lack of trust in our Heavenly Father. I, I'm telling you, I, that's not easy to say. Well, it's easy to say. It just rolls right off the tongue. But living it is something totally different because worry is something you're faced with every day. When a situation rises, you get to choose, am I going to believe my Heavenly Father loves me or am I going to worry about how I'm going to have provision for it? And how many of you know this? No matter how much you worry, it doesn't change the situation. Well, really, it does. It makes it worse. You worry, and it was this big, and it gets this big. And you worry some more, and it gets this big. And you worry some more, and it gets this big. And then after you're through worrying, it's like this big, and you can't carry it. And then the resolution comes, and God brings provision, and it goes, shoo. You go, I want nothing for God. But you allow the enemy 
to divert your attention from where it should be to where he wanted it to be. And that's what worry does, because he goes through this, and then he says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Romans 14, 14 says this, I know I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom the Christ has died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, in a, in a natural perspective right here, he said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. As we seek his righteousness, and what that means seeking is not seeking to get it, but seeking to get under, understanding of what's been placed on the inside of us. Are you with me? <clears throat> righteousness is a gift. And as we set our eyes on that, that's what Corinthians says, as we behold him, we're transformed from glory to glory. What you behold, you become. What you set your eyes on is what, what begins to control or uh, manipulate your life. It's where you set your eyes. And we have the choice to do that. That's why he told him back up in, in Matthew, he said, don't worry. He started with don't worry. He ended with do not worry. He said, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And he said, all these things shall be added unto you. As we set our eyes on him, on his love, and we don't allow our good to be evil spoken of. So what that means is, and just common everyday vernacular is that if I can be free in an area and it's not a stumbling block to me, but if it's a stumbling block to somebody else, I don't do it. Now, there are some things that are just sin, but there are other things that can be a liberty, a freedom to you. And he was talking here about certain meats and, and because there were some things that some people wouldn't eat. And he said, nothing's unclean of itself because, you know, he gave... Uh, Peter, the vision, Peter was on top of the roof and the sheet came down. It had all these animals on it. He said, rise and eat. Peter said, I ain't eating that. He said, that's unclean. He said, don't you tell, tell anything unclean that I've said is clean. So he was talking about their traditions and things like that. He said, don't allow your traditions to be a stumbling block. Somebody, because if it's, and see, here's what happens in the church. We get bad about pushing our convictions on somebody else. And that's where we get into conformity and not unity. He said, I want you to walk in unity. We can be different and, and still walk together. So I want to encourage you today. The thing the Lord has really put in my heart in this, and as I said, I, I can't get past it. That he said, I pray that your love would abound, that it would super abound in real knowledge and all discernment. Why? That you might approve the things that are excellent. So here's what my heart is for you today, that we don't just talk about love. We don't just say, yeah, God loves, but that we get to know God so intimately. Here's your takeaway. I get to, God, I get to know God so intimately in my life that when I walk out of here, I approve the things that are excellent. I, approve, I live a life. I don't live a holy life to be accepted by God. I live a holy life because he's placed it on the inside of me and he's made me righteous and holy. 
And then when I walk out, I approve those things. I don't take advantage of somebody else. I believe a man of God, a woman of God, they swear to their own hurt and they change not. You know, I'll close with this illustration, practical example. That, that truth, but here's my thing. I talk all the time about words and words are powerful. If you don't believe your words, then they'll have no authority when, you, when you're trying to deal with sickness, disease, or, or a lie of the enemy. If you don't believe your words, and what do you mean you don't believe your words? If you don't stand by your words, if you're not a man or woman of your word, if you're not a, a person of character and integrity, then you don't even believe what you say. So don't expect the enemy to believe what you say. I don't care how loud you shout it. Father, thank you so much for your word. That Your word is true. God, that we can, that you've given us the privilege to know you in a real and a personal way. God, as we do, as we know you, Lord, we get to approve those things that are excellent. God, we have the privilege. It's not a burden, it's a privilege to live out in character and integrity before those around us, the, the reality of, of our love relationship with you. Father, I pray today for everyone here that that love would be strengthened, that the reality of that love would grow deeper today, even as Nathan had the word in the very beginning, that the reality of that love would get so uh, ingrained in us as we press into intimacy with you, as we spend time with you to know you and to make you known. That God, truly the heart, our hearts cry would be to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and that all these other things would be added to us. That we'd not allow worry to rob us of intimacy with you. We'd not allow worry to rob us of intimacy with others, of time with others. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are a good, good father. You're a good, good father.